gonna be like that, huh? It's gonna be like that. Hello, am I on? It's gonna be like that. You got that on tape. Where are the ushers? When are we supposed to be quiet in the church over here? I've been trying to keep her quiet for 40 years. It hadn't worked. It just hadn't worked out. You see how that worked out. Praise God. I love my wife, Pat. It's wonderful to have her here. Maybe I can get her straight this morning. Still working on us. It's good to see my dad. Brother George Martin, he's such a tremendous blessing. I love you, Pop. Amen. Honor you today. And I love my brother and my sister-in-law, my pastors, Rusty and Leah Martin. They're wonderful to see. And it's good to see all y'all here. Amen. All y'all are family too. Amen. Amen. We all got the same father. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. And it's just an honor to, wow, look where we're at. Uh, hallelujah. I'm really honored to be here. And I just want to say praise God for Fall Harvest. Praise God for Island Church. I thank God for what God is doing in here. Amen. And, uh, you know, it... Uh, like Pastor Rusty said, you know, these, these meetings have been kind of building up and there's been different themes and, and uh, the theme of the conference is wake up and I'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, I like what uh, Brother Christopher ministered on yesterday and it was talking about, you know, Matthew 24 and 25. So if you would open your Bible to the book of Matthew 9 and we're going to start there and uh, wow, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Open your Bible, book, book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 32. And I'm just going to start reading. It says this, and it says, uh, talking about, uh, praise God, 32, it says, And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man, speaking of Jesus, with a devil. A dumb man with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, uh, It was never so seen in Israel. And uh, I like that. I, I want people to say that about our churches. Yeah. Yeah. It's time for a shift in the power, yeah, a shift in the power of God in, in, our, in our meetings, just in our church services for miracles and signs and wonders and people to be delivered. I want to tell you, man, God delivered me supernaturally. God delivered my brother supernaturally. But it, it, to this day, it's still causing ri a ripple effect in this community. Yeah. Yes, amen. And, and I want to tell you, there's some more people like that around. There's some more people like that in Galveston, Texas. There's some more people like that in Shreveport, Louisiana. There's people like that even in Tulsa, believe it or not. They don't have all them saved. There's more people like that in Nicaragua. There's more people like that all around the world that, listen, they need to not just hear, but see the demonstration of the power of God. Amen. So Jesus, he went out and he demonstrated the power of God. But notice in verse 34 it says, but the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils uh, through the prince of devils. Yeah. So realize that when you stretch out and start doing things for God and start believing God for the supernatural and supernatural things happen, guess what happens? You're going to be opposed. People are going to come against you. People are going to say things about you. Oh, isn't that tough? But you know, Jesus didn't even pay attention to that. Because the very next verse says this. Here, here the Pharisees are talking down about it. They're saying he's, he, he's got a devil. He has the prince of devils. But Jesus went about all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and yeah. preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. What was his answer to persecution that came to him? Yeah. It wasn't that he was going to you know, write a letter to the presbytery. Yeah. 
Yeah. Amen. He wasn't going to, you know, go protest the, the Pharisees at their office. Yeah, right. Walk by there with signs. Amen. No, his, his reaction to that was to go and to preach the gospel, yeah. to heal the sick, to demonstrate the teaching, preaching, and healing the sick. So many times, listen, the devil wants to distract us with what's going on in this age, and there's a lot to be distracted by. There's the political situation. There's the, the, the health situation. There's the financial situation. And whatever kind of situation or drama is going on in your life personally, or everybody else is doing fine, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I like what, what uh, Pastor Eddie Turner preached on last night about getting our thoughts right, our mind right. Uh, I wonder if there's anything for stupid <laughs> <laughs> or dumb. <laughs> Stupid's not a good word to say. Is that a mental illness? I don't know. Or just, some people have that problem. But, but listen, when God begins to move, God begins to do things. He doesn't always do things the way you think he should do them. There, we, listen, the message is always the same, but sometimes the methods are different. Jesus went into these different villages, and he just kept, he just kept grinding. He kept preaching. He kept teaching. He kept healing the sick. And, and I like what Oral Roberts said. He said, let the dogs bark. Let the dogs, the dogs are going to bark. Listen, if the dogs aren't barking at you, you better watch what you are you doing and what God's called you to do. Let them bark. The train's coming through, amen. The gospel train's coming through. Our problem is, is we stop at the barking dogs and deal with the barking dogs and all they're there to do is distract us from preaching the gospel. And Jesus, listen, it says this, he went preaching and teaching and healing the sick. Come on. Verse 36 says this. It says, uh, but when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, he didn't just look and see a bunch of people. He saw and he perceived what was going on in the multitudes of people. Listen, we have to keep our eye on the harvest. Our eyes on the multitudes of what multitudes of people that are sick, that are dying, that are lost. I, I was watching the news, and I'm sure you saw the same thing. There were how many thousands of people under that bridge in Del Rio? Yeah, yeah. yeah but they're Haitians. Yeah, but they're immigrants. They're people. Yeah. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go fill my truck up with, with water, and I'm going to get some beans and rice, and I'm going to go down there, and God, just give me five minutes to preach the gospel under yeah. that bridge. I don't need lights. I don't need smoke. I don't need it. Just give me an opportunity to preach the gospel. And, and I want to tell you, in these last days, I'll tell you this by the Holy Ghost, there's going to be opportunities for you to lift up your voice like an archangel to begin to preach the Word of God yes. like Peter Glory. preached on the day of Pentecost, yes. like Peter yes. preached the, the, at, uh, in Acts chapter 3. Yes. He saw something. Yes. He saw the opportunity. Listen, we've got to open our eyes. The Bible talks about the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we might know what is the hope of his calling. His calling is for us to go into the world and preach the gospel. That might be your world at Walmart. That might be your world at the medical center. That might be your world at, 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 the, at the school. It might be your world on the other side of the world. Yeah. But listen, we've got to stay focused on the harvest. Amen. There's so many other things out there. And listen, there's been a lot of, of, 
uh, politics that have gotten mixed up in Christianity. And what it's, it's a dog barking. The politicians are going to do what the politicians are going to do. Sure, we pray for them. Sure, we believe God for, for the having the, the right people in the right place. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can get so absorbed in all that mess that we get our eyes off of the harvest. Boy, that's good. Amen. And Jesus had his eye on the harvest. When he saw the multitudes, what happened? He was moved. He was moved with what? Compassion. Yes, amen. Compassion in his heart. Listen, compassion isn't just pity. It says, oh, that's too bad, man. Y'all are sure messed up. But notice this was after he taught. This is after he preached. Yeah. This is after he healed the sick. These people were still scattered like sheep yeah. without a shepherd. Listen, it's good to preach. It's good to go into the world and preach the gospel. It's good to heal the sick. It's good to see miracles and signs and wonders. I know Brother Mark over here, he travels and sees hundreds of people, thousands, millions, I don't know, multitudes of people that come to Christ. Yeah. But it's also important for them to have a place to go. There, needs to, there is a framework that's called the church that when people get saved, when people get filled with the Holy Ghost, when people get healed, there needs to be a family of believers that they can come to and know that they're at home there, know that they're safe there, know they can bring their kids to that church and their kids are going to hear the gospel. They're going to get saved. They're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Listen, in Nicaragua right now, listen, we've had all kinds of junk that's going on in that country. They've got an election coming up, and during an election, they usually have a lot of uh, violence and stuff that take place. And so we've kind of not been able to go. They, they actually ask us to stay away for a little while until the election is over. But listen, there, there is, right now, it is so ripe for harvest. It is so ripe. There are three churches there right now that are just, they're just barns sitting there waiting for the harvest to come, yeah. waiting for the evangelist yeah. to come, yeah. waiting for the prophet to come, yeah. waiting for the apostle to come and preach the gospel. And I want to tell you, man, there's going to be a great move of God that's going to come up through that place, yeah. and we're going to have a place to put them. Amen. It's already set up. The, the, the barns are there. Y'all come on out and help us fill them up. Yeah. Amen. There's people there to love them. God is raising up the native people there to pastor the churches. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's one thing to get somebody saved. It's another thing to raise up a pastor, to raise up an evangelist. And and listen, that's what God is. We need them now more than ever. Praise God. So when, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because he saw them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Uh, One translation says this. It says, uh, their problems were so great, they didn't know where to turn. How many people walk in our churches today, and their problems, they're here because they don't know where to turn. They don't know where to turn. Listen, we're not always going to have, you know, doctors and lawyers and and people like that walking in our churches. You're going to have the lost and the last and the least the drug addicts, the prostitutes, the homosexuals. Can they come to our churches and can they receive the love of God? Can they feel the power of God? Can they know that there's people there that love them and care about them? What about among each other? What about in the body itself? Do we love each other sincerely? Are we concerned about the needs of each other? Do we weep? When our friends weep. Yes. 
Do we rejoice when they rejoice? I apologize for not knowing some of y'all better than I should. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's our own piety. Yeah. Amen. Well, you know, I need to kind of stay away from everybody because I'm traveling the ministry and stuff like that. No, I love you. Yeah. Amen. I want to hang out with you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Maybe you can help me stra- straighten me out a little more. Pat's, <laughs> Pat's been trying for a long time. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus saw these people and they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. In verse 37 it says, Then saith he unto the disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are, free, are few. I, I was going to say this about me going to, going to Mexico and going to the border and preach. My wife told me don't go. And I'm glad I didn't because my truck broke down the other day. <laughs> Thank God for, here's a plug for Cortez Brothers. Cortez Brothers, yeah. Get your truck fixed at Cortez. <laughs> Thank God I got my truck fixed yesterday. I'm ready to go. Amen. But, but here's the deal. I listened to my wife. Thank God. And, and, I, and I had this thought. I think it was kind of funny. I can't say it was from God. <laughs> but, but I think one day when we get to heaven, you know, maybe, I know Paul had a wife because he's a Pharisee. Yeah, that's right. And uh, she probably said, you know, Paul, you probably shouldn't go to Lystra today. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, Paul, maybe you shouldn't go to Jerusalem today. Yeah, really. And really. I'm going, bless God, I'm going. And come to find out all these things he went through as an apostle, he just listened to his wife. <laughs> that's not a revelation. That's, uh, just, that's just to help you a little bit. Amen? Come on. Yes. So anyway, he, his cure is this. For these people that are lost, these people that, 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 that don't know where to turn, it's to pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest... That he would send forth or throw. That word send forth is the word cast out. Yeah, that's right. It's the same word like casting out devils. He's saying that God would, the, the, the Lord of the harvest, pray that he would send forth, that he would cast out laborers. Amen. How, what if we had a service like that? Okay, you get out of here. Okay, you, we're sending you to, to Sri Lanka. Okay, you, you're going to Saudi Arabia. Okay, you, you're going to Maui. <laughs> That's biblical. It's biblical, folks. Over in, over, in, uh, over in Acts chapter 13, I'm sure you've heard Pastor Mark Brzee preach on this a time or two. But I'm just, and it, it talks about that they're, you know, they were in the church, and there was in the church. There was in the church at Antioch. By the way, I was just in Antioch. It's still there, believe it or not. Antioch, it, I had a great trip there. Man, God bless those folks. They're doing a great work for God. But there was in the church at Antioch uh, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, Simeon. It goes on and talks about all the people that were there. And I like, I like kind of the very last guy they say in Saul. It's interesting the way they treated Saul, you know. <laughs> I, th- I don't think they trusted him. <laughs> He had, a, he, had a, he had a pretty p- tough, uh, you know, background. Yeah, well, well, what did you used to do? Well, I used to kill Christians. <laughs> oh, yeah? How was that? Well, we, you know, there was one that was really got out of line. We stoned him to death. He was the greatest evangelist of the day. But, we, you know, but you know, Paul had an encounter with Jesus. He did. Yeah. And that encounter with Jesus changed him forever. Yeah. It changed him from the inside out. 
and the things that he did that were so tough, so shameful, he, he said, he looked at the cross and he said, I was crucified with Christ. Yes, amen. That guy that did all that stuff, that guy that perpetrated all that stuff against the church, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. It's hard to kick against the pricks. Yeah. What you do to the body of Christ, you're doing to Jesus. And he said, why are you persecuting me? So anyway, that's a little side note. But, but uh, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and as they fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Now notice who sent them out. The Holy Ghost said, not the board, not the missions department. It said, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto uh, I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, notice there's a lot of prayer involved in this. They laid hands on them and sent them away. Well, that, that word uh, where it says they sent them away, that word sent in the Greek, it's the word, it's the word ek pimbo. Ek pimbo. <laughs> and what that word means, it means as they sent him away, the one that did the sending went with them. So when you send someone and you lay hands on somebody, you're sent out by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost doesn't say, hey, see you later. Hope it works out for you. Hey, send a couple of angels over there to keep an eye on them just in case, you know. No, when you're sent out by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost doesn't stay there at the altar where they laid hands on you. The Holy Ghost goes with you. He goes with you. And I want to tell you, everywhere we go, the Holy Ghost goes with us. The power of God goes with us. These people need the Holy Ghost. They need the Holy Ghost in Nicaragua. They need the Holy Ghost in Turkey. And when you go, He goes with you. He goes with you and manifests Himself by the gifts of the Spirit, through healing, through salvation. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So the predicament is a lot of times is we get all fired up to go soul winning and win all these people to the Lord and, and we really need wisdom on how to handle these things. So, so another side of that is discipleship. And there's churches, man, they're big on soul winning. Let's go soul winning. Let's win these people to the Lord. And what happens is, is you'll bring some people into your church that you don't have a body there that can handle them. Don't shout me down. I'm not preaching good. Amen. And, and then we can get big over on discipleship. Man, we got to go disciple people. Disci and that's good. Discipleship is good. But there, you've got to have some disciples to disciple. So that's why Jesus said, what's, what's one of the keys? Pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out not apostles, not prophets, not event. All those can be laborers. Don't get me wrong. But you can just be a laborer right where you are, where you work as a school teacher. As, as just a housewife, as no matter what you do, listen, God can send you out and you can do a great work for God. Amen. I, the places that I, I've been in different places in the world, I haven't been all over the world, but I've been in several places. But I notice uh, I always find like a YWAM there. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, right there in Nicaragua, just, just five or six blocks down from the church is a YWAM campus that has, you know, a beautiful school, that, that they, they have kids there, they have an, like an orphanage. They've got a, I mean, it's just, just awesome. And we can work together with them. Amen. Yes, sir. And, and, and here's the deal, you know, we don't have to always reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of things that I have in my heart that I want to do. There's a lot of things I know that Pastor Ed wants to do down there in Nicaragua, but there's some people that are already doing it. Yeah. 
and we can get together with them. If we're not careful, we can circle ourselves out of what God is doing by just trying to stay in our own little group. Yeah. I preach in Assemblies of God churches down there. I, pre I preach in, 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 there's even some Baptist churches down there. And I, I go and I speak at Christ for the Nations there, there or not Christ, but, but YWAM there. And I think Christ for the Nations has some, has some people that work there in Managua. Yeah. So there's all kinds of different ways and different facets to go and, and where God opens doors for us to preach and to disciple. Amen. Amen. We've got to have a church. Yeah. We've got to have a base. Amen. And, and, and notice this, as, as uh, they, they went out, the Holy Ghost went with them. And we've got, you know, there's a lot of programs out there, too, and a lot of things that, that we're, we look at that it's not from God. It's from man. It's the wisdom of man. There, there's all kinds of programs where you can fill up a church. You, you can fill up a tent. But, man, God's just not working with you. Amen? And the programs of man just don't work. But this is over in, in, the, uh, in Romans chapter 13. In verse 11, this is in my Passion Bible. I like the Passion Bible. I hope I don't read too much of it for you all, but I'm gonna, I've got some stuff I want to touch on. This is in uh, verse 11 of chapter 13. Actually, let's read up, up right here the, the last part of uh, verse 12. It says this, Love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. Don't get no amen on that. Yeah. Let me read it again. Love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. Yes, amen. Love makes it impossible to harm others uh, or to harm another, but love fulfills uh, all that the law requires. Yeah. What he's talking about there is, you, you know, we, we all talk about the Ten Commandments and we need to fulfill the Ten Commandments and all that. He says, listen, if you'll just walk in love, I won't steal from you. I won't cheat you. I won't go after your wife. I won't do any of those things if I walk in love towards you. I want, to, I want to love you the same way I love myself. And some of y'all maybe not love yourself too much, but get to know yourself in Christ. Yeah, there you go. Amen. That's good. But it says this, love makes it impossible to harm another, so love fulfills uh, all that the law requires. Yeah. You can win the argument, but you can harm a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. You can be right, but you can wreck the whole church being right. Yeah. What is the fact of you winning the argument and just causing so much drama that people just walk away? You had won nothing. Love makes it impossible to harm another, one another. Love fulfills all that the law requires. Now, 13 or 11, it says this. It says, to live like this is more urgent for time is running out and you know that it's a strategic hour in human history. You think we live in a strategic time right now? This is 2,000 years after this was written. It's time for us to do what? It's time for us to all, all gather up and buy up all the toilet paper. Go get some. Everybody got your water. Got your tribulation food. It says it's time for us to wake up. That's the name of this. Everybody else had a chance to, to find a wake-up scripture. I got me one. Yeah, that's a good one. It's time for us to wake up. Yeah, amen. Yeah. 
and quit worrying about all these other peripheral things that don't amount to a hill of beans and get our eyes on the harvest. See people for who they really are. I think it's over in, in, in it's the prayer in Ephesians that talks about the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we might know what is the hope of his calling. The hope of whose calling? What is the hope of his calling in your life? And what are the riches of the glory of whose? His inheritance in the saints. His inheritance in the saints is you. What is Jesus going to inherit in heaven? He's going to inherit the body of Christ. He's going to inherit souls. God's going to say, hey, I've got something for you, Jesus. Here's your inheritance. What is it? It's George. He didn't say, I got a piece of gold as big as Island Church. Here's, well, what am I going to do with that? Here, I've got all this riches and all this stuff for Jesus. Like, the most valuable thing on this planet is what's sitting here today. It's you. The most valuable thing in the universe. God so loved the world, warts and all, that he gave his only begotten son. Because he saw the value in you. He sees the value in that prostitute out there on the street. He sees the value of that drug addict on the street. We've got to open the eye. God will open the eyes of our understanding to see them the way God sees them. Quit seeing them through religious eyes. Quit seeing them through the eyes of the Pharisees. Well, you know, they don't wear their hair quite like I think they ought to. Yeah, that's right. They ain't got on the right shoes. Amen. They ain't got their hair slicked back, you know, the PhD, Pentecostal hairdo. Amen. Ooh. Them alligator shoes on. That ain't slicked back. I didn't say that. Hey. Just let me, let me help you a little bit. Don't spend more time on your hair than you do in prayer. There you go. And that goes to the guys, too. You get every prayer. Okay, where were we? To live like this is more urgent for the time is running out, and you know... Uh, that it is a strategic hour in human history. It's time for us to wake up for our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Yes, our full, listen, the Bible talks about over in the book, book of uh, Romans chapter 8, it talks about the manifestations of the sons of God. Yeah. It says the whole world travails the, like birth pains. Yeah. It's, it's going through these birth contractions. If we went back there and looked, it said, it said the, the world is standing on its tippy toes looking for you, yeah. looking for the manifestations of the sons of yeah. God. Amen. And I want to tell you, that dispensation that's just ahead of us, just a few sunrises beyond us, it's starting to kind of leak over into this dispensation yeah. because the glory, of the, 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 greater, the, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. Yeah. And I thank God for the miracles that went on with, with, with Brother Hagen and with, with Catherine Kuhlman and Oral Roberts and all that stuff. But listen, it's time for the church to awaken yeah. and awake to righteousness. Yeah. 
quit sinning and live for God and get out there and walk in the power of God. But it's because we're so distracted. There's so much junk going on in our heads. Get rid of that. I'll tell you a quick story. I, I, I was a laborer in a shipyard. I worked as a laborer. Those were my two jobs. I worked as a laborer and I worked as a uh, watchman. Ten years at the shipyard, ten years for the Port of Texas City. So I was biblical. But uh, <laughs> do the best I can. But there was a ship that was going into New Orleans and uh, it was full of oil. And as it was going into New Orleans, I don't know if it was the seas or whatever it was, but the ship buckled right at the bow and it leaked out all this oil into the Gulf of Mexico. Well, they, they pumped all the oil out of the ship. Make a long story short, they brought it over to our shipyard. We sat it up on our dry dock. And, and there, one of my jobs was, was once we got the ship on the dry dock, we pulled the anchor chains out of what's called the chain locker. And, and the, these, uh, the chains of the, of the ship, they go down into this locker. I mean, it's, it's like 30 or 40 feet down, and it sits on what's called a double bottom, where those anchors just don't sit on the hull of the ship. They sit on something where it won't you know, vibrate or work a hole in the bottom of the ship. Well, we got in there, and usually it just takes about a half a day to clean them out, and we're done. They try to send us down the road. But uh, we got in there, and we were in there over five days. It was so full of muck. It was so full of mud. It was so full of rust. And it's because they didn't maintain that little simple part of that ship. It caused that ship to buckle, and it caused a disaster. Because wow. they didn't get the mud out of their chain locker. Yeah. And I want to tell you something, man. In our lives, listen, a lot of times, you know, when, when they drop the anchor, what does it do? It goes down into the earth. It goes down into the ground. Yeah. It's in it's, it touches the and that's the way we are a lot of times. We, we come to these meetings and everything's fine. We get the word of God, but then we go home and we get on the computer and we drop our anchor in CNN or Fox News yeah. wow. or maybe even other things. I mean, there's things, it, it, it's okay to know what's going on, yeah. but it can, it, if, if you just keep putting the anchor down and bringing it up, putting the anchor down and bringing it up and you don't wash out these areas in your soul, in your mind, listen, before long you start getting a bunch of muck up there in your head, you're headed for trouble. There's going to be a buckle there. So, so listen, we want to keep ourselves clean. We, and, and listen, uh, Sister Goodman always said this, a clean church the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost will work and flow in a clean church. And, and something unique about our church there in Pasadena was, I'd say about 70 to 75% of the people there flowed in the Holy Ghost. Gave messages in tongues and had unique, unique ministries like that. And, and I like that. I like to see that here. I enjoy seeing uh, this bro brother uh, Trey gave a message in tongues the other day. Man, it thrills me. That's a, I, I like to see it when different people get, and, and that's what God is wanting to do. He's wanting us to step up and step, step out of the, this complacency and, all, and you know, they, the, the, the term complacency and, and apathy and complacency and stuff. Listen, let's, let's rise up above that. Amen. Let's step out and do something we've never done before. Yes, amen. I mean, if you feel the unction of God, you step up and do what God is dealing with you to do. Amen. You've got a good pastor here. You've got good leadership here. Obey God. Yeah, amen. But if you have to talk to them, talk to them before yeah. you do. Amen. They'll help you. That'll keep you out of the ditch. Amen. But so notice over here in verse 14, it says, uh, it talks about uh, 
Well, the, the, the rest of that chapter, it talks about the night is coming, the darkness is coming, it, it's going to dissolve away. And he talks about stripping off uh, the filthy clothes of, of the stuff that we get in, ourselves involved in. Uh, verse 9, it says, and, and strip them off once and for all, but clothe yourself with the radiance of light as a weapon. Uh, and it says, we must live honorable. Yeah. Live an honorable life. Uh, Skipping up to 14, it says, instead, fully immerse yourself into what? The Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desire. Yes, amen. Listen, don't awaken. That, I, I don't, I, you know, I get together with my friends and stuff. I don't want to sit around and talk about what I used to do. Yeah, amen. That's not me. We did a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> We did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. Amen. But when you begin, notice when you begin to talk about that stuff, you dredge it up. What are you, you start putting mud in your chain locker. Amen. You need to get, don't do those things. But just keep, just take a right. Over here in chapter 15. Now this, this is going to help us here. It says, 15 verse 1, it says, now those who are mature in their faith can, eat, can be easily recognized for they comb their hair back. Uh, for they don't, listen, they don't live to please themselves. But they have learned to patiently embrace others in their immaturity. What? What? Listen, we've, we've, we've got a Lazarus sitting on the front porch of Texas right now. What are we going to do with him? What are we going to do with these people? I got, there's people, I've, I've got pastor friends that are complaining, I ain't got nobody in my church. Well, there's thousands of them coming across the border. Why don't you go reach out to them? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's easier said than done, isn't it? Let, let us learn to embrace others in their immaturity. Our goal must be to empower others to do what is right and good for them. And to bring them into spiritual maturity. That's the, goal. That's the whole goal of this whole conference. That's the whole goal of this whole church. We don't want this conference just to be like, like a firework that goes up and explodes. And it's a big, bright, shining blast. And then it's over. Yeah. Amen. We want to give you something that's going to stick to your ribs. Yeah. Something that you're going to think. There, there's several uh, sermons that I've heard in my life that I can't get away from. Yeah, amen. I can't get away. From, I can't. There, there was a, a man that preached in our church years ago about what are you going to do with Lazarus? Yeah. What are you going to do with him? He's got open sores. Yeah. He's gross. The dogs are licking his sores. What he, and, and what that man did, what that rich man who fared sumptuously, listen, that's us. We fare sumptuously. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's not because my wife washed my shirt with hot water. <laughs> We fare sumptuously, amen. We live in America. Amen, that's right. I know they're talking about things getting worse and stuff like that. But, but what we do, and I don't always know what to do with people that are in need. I don't always know what to do, what to do with people, but God will show you yes, how to embrace them and how to love them and how to accept them. And Notice here in chapter, in, in verse 5 of 15, it says, this is a prayer that God, that Paul prayed. He said, now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort, that's what you need yes. when it comes to dealing with difficult people. 
God is your source of what? He's your great source of endurance and comfort. May grace you with unity among yourselves. Yes, amen. Woo, wouldn't that be a blessing? Amen, amen. I'm not going to say where, but I went to a conference one time. Uh, it was a minister's conference, and dear God, it was like the Civil War. Ain't nobody in there liked each other. <laughs> we sat in there, and the guy that got up and speak, spoke, he went and sat down, and, came, and, and I went over there by him. One guy came up and talked to him after the conference. And he said, when, when did the train wreck happen? <laughs> but thank God that guy helped straighten things out. Amen. Well, it takes, a little great, it takes a little endurance, a little comfort. It says... Uh, it says, now may, may, uh, may God, the source of great endurance and comfort, grace you with unity among yourselves, which flows from, your, look, look, it flows from your relationship with Jesus, the anointed one. Yeah. It comes through spending time in the word, spending time in the presence of God, spending time worshiping God. Notice it says, then with a, with a unanimous rush of passion, you will with one voice glorify God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you will bring glory to God when you accept and welcome one another as partners, just as the anointed one has fully accepted you and received you as a partner. Glory. Amen. Listen, God has received, Jesus has received us not only as a partner, but as a brother. He's brought us into the family of God. Amen. Amen. And we need to receive each other that way. You're my brother. You're my sister. We, we don't just come in here and just, just put up with each other. Listen, the Bible says each joint supplies what the other has need of. Hallelujah. You've got something I've ne- I need. There, there's, listen, you disqualify yourself from a lot of help that God tries to give you because you disqualify yourself from maybe fellowshipping with people that you might not like the way they look. Yeah, amen. 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 One more thought and I'm done. Listen, Moses, he was, what was his, his mother's name? Miriam? Jochebed? Jochebed had a big problem. I got one of those at home. Babies crying so loud and what are they doing? They're killing babies. So what does she do? She takes the biggest problem she has in her life and she trusts God with it. She makes a basket and she puts it in the river and God had his hand on that little baby. And there's crocodiles in that river, there's catfish that could eat that thing in one bite. But God got that place right to the place that Moses needed to be and it wasn't with the Hebrew people. The Bible says that Egyptian that Pharaoh's daughter saw Moses, and when she saw the baby, the Bible says she had compassion. She had compassion. She had compassion. Where's your compassion? They might not look like you. They might not smell right. They might, they might stink. You're not willing to let them get in your car. You've got to take a chance on people. Because there's a chance. Listen, there might be a Moses in the weed somewhere. There's a Moses. There's a Moses crossing the river. I'll tell you, there's a Moses down there at that river. 
And he's a, God's raising up deliverers for people. Anytime there's an exodus like that, there's a deliverer that God's raising yes, up. Amen. Could be somebody sitting in here today. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for amen. listening to amen. me this morning. I just want to leave you with that. Amen. Wasn't that good? Wow. I'll tell you a family secret. No, it's good. You'll like it. We had a at First Assembly of God uh, in Pasadena where Brother and Sister Goodwin were pastors. We had a, uh, a, a nursery that was separate from the church. It was a little building out in the parking lot. That's when we first started going there. And Mom Goodwin would sneak back there to hold the babies. And the only one she would hold would be Alan. <laughs> And so she told us years later, she said, no, no, nobody needs to know this. But I would sneak back there and love those babies, but the only one I would pick up would be Alan. <laughs> yeah, her mom, good one, sister Annie ran that. Yeah. You know, the, having a heritage in the gospel is so rich. But let me say this. A lot of times people hear about our heritage and they think, oh, that would have been. Start your heritage now. Let, so in the future to come, your sons and daughters and grandchildren will get up and say, you know, I remember when. And I was there. And I was this. I mean, I can remember things uh, that still are coming back into my memory that God will waken up on the inside of me that just, I thought, man, I'd for, I thought I'd forgotten that. But as as Brother Pastor Eddie was teaching us, this, this computer we have up here between our ears, there's things down in there, and it's amazing how God can bring some of those things right at the right time. Isn't that good? Why don't you stand on your foot, feet for just a moment and kind of kind of bend and stretch and glory to God. Uh, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Now let's lift our hands and worship the Lord for a minute. Oh, we worship you, Father. We love you, Lord Jesus. We glorify your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. We glorify your name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord is so good. Praise God, praise God, praise God. We worship you, Father. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. You know, it's an amazing thing as we stand here uh, to recognize and realize that, you know, the all of these people that were so influential in our lives and that loved us and taught us and trained us, and, and they're all in heaven. It's amazing. You know, I was praying about a month ago and was, I, I don't know about you, but I, when I talk to God, I just talk to him. You know, I just talk to him, have conversations, say things, and I'll talk to him about stuff. And, and I was talking to him and saying things like, you know, well, well, I would have thought, Lord, that, you know, when Brother Hagen and Brother Oral Roberts and all these ministers, it looked like something came to a crescendo, you know, back there in the, in the late 80s and into the 90s, and these ministries all just, they were really having an effect on the world. I mean, out of, out of 
Brother Hagen's school out of Rama. Listen, I, I know that the Berlin Wall and all that came down, but listen, a lot of those guys were covertly going in there for years and bringing that one book. I, I, I believe two books broke that communism, and that's the Bible, number one, and the authority of the believer, number two, where those people begin to realize, hey, we take authority over these spirits that are dominating us. And they begin to do that. And the world begin to change. Things begin to happen. Then all of a sudden, it just seems like in about the past 15 or 20 years, there's just this, this it's like breaks have been put on almost, but it's not really, that's, that's not what is happening. God is positioning people and he's getting people ready for this great end time harvest of that which he wants to do. But here's what, I, I, it's amazing. In, in that prayer, the Lord spoke to me about Gideon. And the Lord spoke to him about, about uh, 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 reduction for production and I was I was uh, so I went you know when the Lord ever, if he ever speaks to you in prayer about a scripture go, go he's trying to tell you go to the Bible and look at the scripture so I, I went and I looked and was looking 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 and I thought to myself you know what's unique about Gideon was this he had a harvest at a time in which you shouldn't have had a harvest that means he planted something he grew something, he harvested it, and he was thrashing out his harvest. And he may have been the only guy in Israel, and that might have been the very thing that qualified him, is in the midst of the worst circumstances, he was still involved in seed time and harvest. Amen? And I mean, and then I looked at the encounter he had with the angel, and he was very resistant. Who, me? Look around like, it's somebody else you're talking to? But it was him. Amen. And what God said about him, by a mighty man of valor, became who he was, became his new identity. And God brought him, and, and he reduced that whole, you know, well, man, we got 30,000. Man, we could, maybe we can do something about the Midianites. God said, no. Amen. And then when it reduced it to 10,000, I love what he said. He said, bring them down to the, to the river, and I will try them there. And the and the a lot I've studied how they drank their water. You know, some lapped like the dog, others got down and one group was drinking only for themselves. The other group was drinking and watching. And that's where God's got us right now. We're drinking, we've been re reduction for production, and we're drinking drinking not only for ourselves, but we're drinking for others. Amen.